to be in the house of God, amen? Let's try that one more time. It's good to be in the house of God, amen? Amen. It's always a celebration when we come together and release the middle schoolers. We're releasing our middle schoolers. They're going to have the celebration. We're going to miss you guys deeply and from the heart. Uh, It is really a celebration when we get together. We gather in the name of Jesus. Can I get a strong amen? Amen. Amen. And it is a time for us to worship together corporately, to lift up our voices to sing praises unto the Lord. It's a time for us to lift holy hands and honor the Lord with all of our being. It's a time for us to look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, to be challenged in our hearts, to be challenged in our living, to be challenged in our thinking and allow God to be God and us to be us and respond to the Spirit. Jesus wrote seven letters, seven love letters. How many of you know what it's like to receive a love letter? Well, let me tell you, every one of us has received a love letter, seven of them, from the Lord himself. Revelation chapter two, Revelation chapter three. And at the conclusion of each of those seven small love letters to the church, to the churches, he ends with salutation, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God is speaking. God the Spirit is speaking to you and to me. So this is a time for us when we come to the living Word of God and allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts and that we would respond to the Spirit in faith and respond to the word of God in faith and let the word of God, like washing of the water, transform our minds that we might be more like Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, today, as we get started, you can turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15 as we continue our walk through the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, well, book by book, Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, we're in Exodus chapter 15 this morning. But before we get into our text, I want to tell you the story about Chippy. Everybody say Chippy. 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 Chippy is a parakeet. Chippy is a real parakeet. And Chippy is a parakeet that is like a little songbird. And Chippy's owner one day got to the place where They were just disappointed at the work required to clean the cage. How many of us know that taking care of our animals can become somewhat of a task in the mundane of taking care of them? Well, Chippy's owner decided they were going to expedite the cleaning process. Chippy's owner decided that they were going to enlist Hoover to assist in the cleaning of the cage. So promptly pulling the vacuum cleaner out of the closet, plugging it in 
appropriately in the outlet on the wall, disconnecting the hose, putting on the proper tube, and taking the little brush off the end, sticking the hose down into where the goop was and the seeds and the stuff, (laughs) clicking on the vacuum cleaner, and stuff was coming right up off of the little piece of newspaper that was there to kind of gather other things that fall from Chippy. Well, all of a sudden, the phone rang. And vacuum in hand, sucking, reach for the phone, tilting the nozzle upward toward Chippy. How many of you know Chippy's having a sucky day? (laughs) The next sound that was heard was, panicking, hanging up, looking down and seeing Chippy doing this, hits the off button, disconnects, empties it right onto the floor. Chippy, dazed, stunned, staggering, reaches down and covered in dust and stuff and yuck, takes Chippy over to the kitchen sink, blasts on the water, and it's ice cold, throws Chippy under the water. Chippy goes from dazed, confused, and stunned to, (laughs) tries to clean up, then realizing that Chippy's freezing, runs upstairs with Chippy, finds wife's hair dryer, plugs it in, Chippy is now like on a dog sticking his head out of the car on the freeway with hot air. Stunned, dusted, stirred, chilled ice water, blazing heat, all in about 47 seconds. Imagine how Chippy's day is going. And I say that to say, Chippy was having some tests and some trials on that particular day. Chippy's a little bit like you and I. Sometimes in a very short order, we can go through hardships, difficulties, griefs, tests, trials, And we are like, I just want to do this right and react and respond. Well, today's text in Exodus chapter 15 is really, in a very short order, round three for the children of Israel in terms of facing heartache, hardship, and difficulty. You remember that they were in Egypt And while in Egypt, God said it was time to go, and there was a series of plagues. And they were a part of the plagues for a season. And then that final plague, the death, it was over all of Egypt, and unless they put the blood over the mantle or over the doorposts and the lentil, it would have impacted them as well. Then they go right from there down. God leads them. Are you ready? God leads them down to the Red Sea. And 
They have this mountain range, Pihaharoth, on one side. They have this city, Migdal, on another. And they have the sea kind of all around encompassing the delta. And on the other side, they can see Baal Zephon. But they're like, how are we going to get across? And they turn behind them and they see all of Egypt's army coming. And they're between that proverbial rock and a hard place. God says, Moses, stop talking to me. Get up, stretch out your hand, take the staff, and divide the waters. And so God parts the waters in front of them. They walk across on dry ground. All of the armies of Pharaoh were consumed in the Red Sea. Now then, they're coming up on where we are in today's text. But before we get to the text, I want to share with you Psalm 103 and verse 7 because it's a significant portion of, scripture, portion of Scripture for us. It says, He, that is God, God made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. He made His ways known to Moses he made his works known to the people. I think there's a great chasm between knowing the ways of God and knowing the works of God. And that's a significant piece for you and I. And I kind of keep that resonant in your hearts and in your minds this morning as we look into the scripture. One of the ways of the Lord is that it's what I'll call the way of the heart. The way of the heart, W-E-I-G-H. God weighing the heart. Today's message is titled, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. Read with me Exodus chapter 15, Verses 22 through 27, I would encourage you to read the first portion of the chapter, for it is the song of Moses. There are four stanzas of this magnanimous song, and I encourage you to read it because this is a song that you and I will be singing in part or in whole when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. The song of Moses will be singing. So, we'll pick up in verse 22, and it says... So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitterness. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he, God, tested them. Or as the King James Version says, there he, that is God, proved them and said, 
If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Let me just suggest to you that verse 26 would be a verse that would be worthy for all of us to take heed to even today in our daily living. To diligently heed the voice of the Lord. Diligently. 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 Giving all effort, energy, and strength. Verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So again, God has brought the children of Israel to a place that is similar to the previous two places. They're between the rock and the hard place. Today we're gonna consider three aspects of the way of the heart. Aspect number one, if you're taking notes. Again, the title of the sermon is The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, and we're looking at the ways of the Lord. One of the ways of the Lord is to weigh the heart. Three aspects about weighing the heart. The way of the heart actually has a pathway. Verse 22 says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Now remember that Psalm chapter 37 and verse 23 says, the footsteps of the righteous are what? Ordered of the Lord. God is the director of the footsteps of the righteous. He's leading his people. And God did not take the children of Israel on the normal trade routes. And there were several wherewith God could have directed them where there would have been cities along the way. There would have been well-marked wells along the way so they could draw water. But God did not do that. God took them out into the wilderness and they traveled three days into the wilderness and they ran out of water. They have no drinking water. 7-Eleven does not exist in this time. It's not open 24 hours. There is no convenience store. In fact, there is nothing convenient for them presently. They're out of water. The human body can only last three days without water. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had children, and this would be very alarming to me. I, I have animals. This would be very alarming to me. I don't know how I would have reacted if I were one of those folks there. But this is a life and death situation. Life and death. They legitimately are in the desert and there's like potentially three million people 
and they don't have any more water, let alone all of the animals, the cattle, the sheep, the donkeys. They're in a major predicament. It's not like they're super mobile. Well, we're going to just cruise on over to the Mediterranean and figure out where we're going to get water for this group of people. It's troubling. So, why would God do this? Well, let's look at three thoughts about his pathways. God's pathways, when he's weighing hearts, he does not generally go the expected route, the expected way. In fact, the expected ways might include the road most traveled. The road most traveled would be that familiar, comfortable way where I need no road map. I, I know where I am and I know where I'm going, but that's not how it is with God. That's not how it is often with God when he is again weighing our hearts. It's on the beaten path, the road that everybody seems to travel, if you will. Those are the expected ways where the ground is compacted, level, defined, smooth, the broad road, it's ease of step. You're not gonna find it as the, P, the, the path of least resistance. You know, you've been driving in your car and you're, it begins to rain and you see the rain just running down your windshield and it finds the path of least resistance. That's not generally the way God takes his children when he is in the process of weighing the heart. You're not gonna find it on the corner of Easy Street and Comfort Place. God wants to take every one of us out of our comfort zone. Everybody understand that? God wants to lead us out of our comfort zone. Listen, consider some of the Bible heroes that you and I have read about, right? Noah. How many of you think that Noah had it on Easy Street? Noah, I want you to build me a boat. Uh, the boat, I, I want you to build me a boat that's gonna have uh, enough capacity that is equivalent to 522 standard size rail cars of today. He didn't say it that way, but that's what it is. That's a very big boat. Noah, get started. Make it out of some gopher wood and uh, seal it on the inside and the out. You know, I've had to paint the inside of my house from time to time, and painting the inside of my house I, I, in my living room, I have some walls that are about 17 feet high. Painting those walls with just paint is a little bit of a problem. Imagine a boat that has walls that are 45 feet high. This creates a little bit of a problem, and they're using pitch, which is real sticky. It's goopy, and they gotta cover every inch of it. This is a job. It's not easy street for Noah. Joseph, Ruth, Naomi, Esther, Mordecai, Job, right? This is not the corner of easy street and comfort place. No way, Jose, David, Jeremiah, I could go on and on and on. Not the expected way. God's paths, generally speaking, are the paths that actually are weighing our hearts, where God is helping us to discern us. His pathways include, yes, the road less traveled. The road less traveled. Abraham, I want you to leave your father's house and your family and go to a place I'll show you. <laughs> but not yet. Just get going. You ever feel that way? Like God's leading you and you're like, God, where are we going? 
He says, well, I'll tell you soon, soon enough, and I'll tell you when you need to know. Just get moving. The path of much resistance. Anybody here ever felt like, man, how come every time I get walking for the Lord, I come across bumps, I come across mountains, I come across valleys, I come across crooked places, I come across all these obstacles in the way. What is up with that, God? The road found at the intersection of Faith Street and the dead end road. When I come to the end of myself and let faith take over. It's often the path of most resistance. Jesus refers to it as the narrow road. The narrow road. And he says, few find it. Thanks be to God. His spirit is being, he's revealing to children. Thanks be to God, the way. All too often in the midst of the road and the way that God takes us when it is difficult, it is hard, and it is off of that beaten path, it is that narrow road, it is that difficult way, it's a place of resistance. God's children, sometimes we're like, I'd like to avoid this road in its entirety. Take me back to Egypt. Take me back to Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had three square meals. At least in Egypt, we had roofs over our head and they were houses, not tents. Egypt, Egypt, Egypt. Sometimes we just seek alternative routes. Like we're, God's got us going down a path and we're like, ah, I want to go this way. And the Holy Spirit, like Syria, is going redirecting, redirecting, and trying to get us right back onto the path that God has for us because we're going to discover in just a few moments that all of God's pathways have purpose. Sometimes we seek the shortcut route, the shortcut route, just like the hairdryer on Chippy. Well, I'll dry this bird out in a hurry. Yeah. Have you discovered that shortcuts in God's kingdom don't work very well? Have you found that to be true? Shortcuts. Why is it that we always look for off-ramps and shortcuts? For the Israelites, again, they had these pathways that were not easy, the way of the plagues, the way of the Red Sea, the way of the wilderness. It's not easy. But let's remember the footsteps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord. You may be going down a path right now. And you say, where is God? God is with you. He said, I, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. And he is the one directing your paths. So what about you? Maybe you're going through some stuff. Well, here's some questions to weigh in relationship to the pathway. What about you and the pathway God has you on currently? On your pathway, is God weighing your heart? Are you allowing God to weigh your heart? In other words, when you're facing that trial and tribulation, that difficulty, that test, are you allowing God to reveal you to you? What's coming out of you in those moments? What's coming up in you in those moments? Is it faith-filled? Or is it fear? What's rising in you? Has he been revealing you to you? The Bible says, as in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Is there revelation knowledge? What are you discovering about yourself amidst the journey? I know in my own personal journey, I'm perpetually disappointed in my 
reactions to life's difficult circumstances. And we've joked on many occasions the things that happen on the freeways in Oregon. Have you discovered how brutally filled with traffic the roads have become? And boy, I'll tell you, I don't always respond right. And it's in those moments when I'm frustrated. It's in those moments when I'm in a hurry. It's in those moments when I'm going down that path and something is thrown in by way of roadblock and my reaction reveals me. No impossible circumstance that you or I face defines who you are or makes you. It simply reveals you. Let me say that again. Circumstances don't define who we are. They simply reveal who we are and where we are and what's on the inside presently. Does that make sense? God help us to cooperate with the Lord in the weighing of the heart. Aspect number two, the way of the heart has a purpose. It had a pathway. God took them from the Red Sea into the wilderness of Shur, and now we're gonna see that it has a purpose. There's a revealing of the heart. God's methods often Weighing of the heart, and it is through the tests and the trials that you and I face. Verse 25 again says, there he tested them. There he proved them. The proving, it is a revealing of what is genuinely happening in the interior. Again, verse 22, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Here is the test. How are you going to react? How are you going to respond? How did the children of Israel respond on this, their third test in a very short amount of time? Again, between the rock and the hard place. And here's the difference. Last week we saw that Moses, after being complained against, complained against, and complained against, that laser-like focus, they couldn't complain against God because they can't see him. And so they're like, boop, Moses. And they just like three million. And Moses has this magnanimous statement. He says, stand still and behold the salvation of your God. These these." Egyptians that you see this day, you shall see no further. Stand and see the deliverance of God. You shall see them no more forever. And he spoke in faith. Remember Psalm 103 verse 7 says that God showed Moses his ways. Trust. Trust in him. Patience. Have you noticed that God is patient? Thanks be to God for God's patience. Hallelujah. Their testing, their trial was once again putting them between the place, between a rock and a hard place. So how did they respond? More complaints against Moses. How about you? How are you responding in the midst of the difficult trying circumstances of your life. That path that you're on right now, the hardships, the trials that you are facing, the testings, some of them instantaneous, 
some of them progressing. How are you responding? Two purposes to consider in the weighing of the heart in this area of purpose. God has purpose. Number one, the f- number one purpose. And I don't mean like number one, like this is it. But I'm just saying the first purpose I see in the text and in the scripture is that God wants us to learn patience. God wants you and I to learn patience. James says it this way in James chapter one and verse two. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So one of the ways of God must be patience. Listen, the scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, God is love. Say that with me. God is love. God is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he is going to describe agape love, God kind of love. And he starts it off with, love is patient. One of the ways of God is patience. How might I react differently in those crisis moments if I am patient? If I learn to wait on the Lord, how much grief could I overcome if I was less reactionary and learned to respond patiently, right? What about you? What about you? Second purpose. Again, it's this idea of proving what's on the inside. It's proving our faith. God allows trials and tests in our life to prove. That is it. That word prove we'll talk about in just a moment, but it is really a refiner's term. A refiner's term. Peter says this, in this you greatly rejoice, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the genuineness of my faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory for Jesus. If I took a 24-hour period of Dave's life, there'd be about six hours where I probably would, I know for sure I'd be doing really, really good there. Those are the hours that I'm sleeping But I'm not sure I could say to you with a great amount of confidence that in those crisis moments that happen just suddenly, that that weighing of my heart would be for praise and honor and glory to the Lord. I'm pretty sure I've had wrong thoughts. I'm pretty sure I've acted on some of those wrong thoughts. I'm pretty sure I may have said things like, guy shoot, darn. I'm pretty sure you may have also. And if you didn't say them, you may have thought them. 
The point I'm making is there's work to be done and God's still proving. And here's the deal. Just like the refiner, he says, just like gold that is refined by fire. When it's refined by fire, it's revealing its weight in carat. So if you have a wedding ring that's 14 carat gold, that means 10 more carats in that gold are impurities. It's called dross. Dross. Proverbs tells us, take away the dross from the silver and out comes a vessel for the finer. Remove the dross. Remove the dross. God is proving us And it's just like the children of Israel back then, the same goes for you and I today. If in the midst of the furnace, when thing, the temperature rises, everybody understand? The gold in the furnace is like you and me in our crisis moments, in our impossible circumstances, the heat is turned up, it's revealing. And if dross has come into the surface, it would behoove you and I to cooperate with God the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, will you decant those things right off the top? All the impurities come to the surface. How come when I'm in the midst of my hard stuff, man, that, that old man stuff just rises right to the surface. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? I mean, something happens and, man, I just want to get hotter than a pistol. Right now. Old man, take off the, old, the new clothes, put on the old clothes. Old man, free vent. Take it away. What about you? What about me? Here's some questions to weigh. Does, first of all, does that, nod your heads with me for a moment. Does that make sense? I mean, like in the midst of the crisis, is God revealing? And hey, listen, if you're doing a good job, come on. Good job. And maybe you are. You're working that patience thing out great. Thanks be to God. Is there still work to be done? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. So some questions to weigh. Are the various trials that you are facing revealing a genuineness of faith? Is it being found to be praise, honor, and glory to God? Are you aware of some dross in your heart that the Holy Spirit would like your cooperation with to help remove. God wants to reach in and do a work, and it's surgical, the Spirit, to help us that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we might be changing from glory to glory into the image of God's only begotten, Jesus. That we might be greater witnesses unto the Lord. God's given us power. God's given us authority. God's given us his spirit. It's just a matter of you and I cooperating when the spirit of God reveals the dross. To say, Lord, have your way. This is good. It is good. Okay, let's move on to aspect number three. So we have a pathway, we have purpose. God has purpose.
purpose in his direction that he leads us. And there is a product. The weighing of the heart brings forth a product. The text, Proverbs 25 and verse 4, tells us it's a vessel, a vessel for the finer, for the refiner, for the master craftsman, for the silversmith. Out comes a product, a vessel. We are the vessels in the hands of the Lord. Proverbs again tells us the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he is directing it as a river course to his good pleasure. Oh, God, have your way. Take us in your hands, vessels able to be molded and moved. So aspect number three, it has a product. You know, there's an interesting engagement in the New Testament that Jesus has with some Pharisees and some scribes. They came to him and they asked him, Say, Jesus, how is it that your disciples transgress the uh, rules, the laws of the elders, the practices and the traditions of the elders by not washing their hands before they eat. And uh, Jesus has an interesting quote to them. He says, how is it that my disciples transgress the elders? How is it that you transgress God in your traditions? For your traditions nullify the word of God. They get somewhat indignant. And Jesus says, the prophet Isaiah spoke well of you when he said, their lips are near me, but their hearts are far from me. Their lips are near me, but their hearts are far. Calls them hypocrites. Later, Jesus' disciples come to him and they said, I mean, I could just see this. You can see how that would be offensive to the Pharisee and to the scribes. Like, what are you saying about us? We're trying to get you, and you just got us. What's up with that? And so his disciples came to him a little later and said, uh, say, Jesus, you do know that the Pharisees were really offended by what you said. So they said, uh, can you explain what, you, what all that meant? Jesus says, fellas, this is not about food. It's not about food. What a man takes in his mouth goes into his stomach and then is eliminated. It's not about food. He said, but what proceeds out of a man's mouth proceeds from the heart. That is what defiles the man. Jesus said, it's not about food. It's a heart issue. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Let me stop there for a moment. Have you identified that in your life? Raise your hand. Anybody ever have evil thoughts? All right, seven of us, that's great. The rest of you are doing, the rest of you are doing pretty good. The scripture says murders. Now, I'm pretty sure there's nobody in here, and if you've had some murderous thoughts, well, let God help. But we're probably not scheming and planning some murder. But Jesus equates, if you hate in your heart, then you've already committed murder. Murders, adulteries, fornications. We know what Jesus had to say about those things. If you've looked with lust, you've committed. Guilty. Thefts, false witness, lying, 
Listen, if you have the tendency of exaggerating, guess what you are? It makes you a liar. Ouch. Uh, false witness. Blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands, come on. It doesn't defile a fella. No. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So we're encouraged to keep our heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance. How much vigilance? All vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 21.2 reminds us also that all deeds are right in the sight of the doer. So I'm doing, I'm doing what's right. I think this is right. But again, it's the Lord that weighs the heart. And God reveals, hey, what you're doing isn't good. Have you, have you noticed that? Have you experienced that when the Spirit of God says, yeah, not so. You won the argument, uh, but what you did was not good. Right? Been there? Husbands, wives? So here's a couple questions to weigh in relationship to you as a product. What kind of vessel are you? What kind of vessel are you? Are you a vessel that is useful in the hands of the silversmith? Are you moldable? Are you teachable? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to minister to you, to bring transformation as he enlightens the word to us that you are availing yourself and changing with the washing of the water of the word of God? and allowing that transforming of the mind. I want to think more godly thoughts and not more earthly thoughts. Wisdom from above, not wisdom from below. Am I actively becoming a more useful vessel? Active is the operative word there. Am I actually engaged in this transforming work? Seeking God's transformation in my life. How many of us in our Christian walk, let's be honest, how many of us in our Christian walk sometimes wish we could have a timeout from our faith? I'd like a timeout right now, God, because I'd like to do it my own way. I'd like to really get angry. I'd like to really get mad. I'd like to really do thus and so. But in the kingdom of God, there are no timeouts. God, help us. I want to be vessel all the time, actively engaged, what heart changes has the Lord already done in you? Aren't you thankful that who you are today is not who, who you were? You're no longer that person from 10 years ago. You're no longer that person. Man, when I, most of you in this room, if you knew me when I was 18 years old, you would not like me. I said to my wife, I'm so thankful you met me after I was 19. Because <laughs> you'd have never spent any time with me had you known me when I was 15 to 18, 19 years, you know, just I turned 19 and then I found Christ. You would, you, would, you would have never spent time with me, ever. But thanks be to God, that's not what I am anymore. But thanks be to God, what I am today is not what I'm gonna be tomorrow. And neither for you if we will engage with the Spirit of God and allow the Word of God and allow the weighing of my heart and find his pathways and his purposes so that I can also become that product that is more useful. So what has he done? What is he doing? What's the Lord revealing? Maybe even right 
now? What is it that God is raising to the surface and say, ah, I'll work with you. Let's get that one. Let's do this. It hurts so good. Like the song. I don't even know the words of the song. <laughs> Come on, baby, it hurts so good, right? All right, anyway. Come on, God, it hurts so good. Have your way. So, changing of an attitude, changing of a prejudice, changing of a disposition, changing of a behavior, changing of a motive, a habit, the strengthening of a character, the strengthening and the consistency of my ethics. The list goes on. Lord, have your way. So, we come back to our text. And I want you to see the typology. You see, the children of Israel had traveled three days and they were without water. And I get this picture in my mind's eye as they're traveling through the desert. They may be coming up over some knolls and hills. And we know that those that were of older age and maybe sick and not the best of health, they were kind of stragglers in the back. And I get this picture of, you know, the kids and the youngers kind of up over the front. And if I get this picture in my mind's eye. They come up over this knoll, and there's this body of water. And man, I can just see the kids, because I, I know how it'd be for me. If I was up there, I mean, as a kid, if I was like 15, 16, 17 years old, come over the hill, and I see water, and I, man, I can barely get my tongue to separate from the roof of my mouth. I'm hot. I'm thirsty, and there's water. I mean, I would gain every ounce of energy still in this body, and I'd start sprinting down that thing. You know, like when you're almost falling, and you're running, and you're kicking sand, and you're like, i got to get to the water. Ah. I grew up in Huntington Beach, California. We, were, we would run from the sand, because the sand was so hot. We'd just run across the sand, and we couldn't wait to get right into the ocean. So we would stumble into the water, fall down, splash. Ah, so good, so good. And I could see the youngins just sprinting down. And getting to the water. The water is not potable. It's not drinkable. It's like adding insult to injury. Oh, thanks be to God, there's water. Yes! <sighs> Diving in, it's bitter. Why? That's the response of the children of Israel. How would you be responding? What's the weighing of your heart? What's in you? Moses, again, leads by example. They cry out to Moses in complaint. What are we supposed to drink? Ah! Right? Moses cries out to the Lord. Moses seeks the Lord. The Lord shows Moses a tree. The test was proving the heart. Remember, God showed Moses his ways. The children of Israel only knew his works. God was revealing to the children of Israel, listen, the bitter waters are one thing, but it's revealing what's on the inside of you. Bitterness, brokenness, 
anger, rage, malice, all of those acts, if you will, of the sinful nature. And he's revealing. And so God shows Moses. When Moses cries out, God shows him a tree. And Moses takes the tree and casts it into the water. And the bitter waters became sweet. And I'm here today to suggest to you the sun will come out tomorrow. Your Mara. If you have bitterness, if you have anger, if you have prejudice, if you have whatever that list may be on the inside and your circumstances have been revealing to you where you are, God is saying to you and I, here's a tree. Here's a tree. And if you'll come to the tree, which is the cross, there is power to make bitter water sweet, to make your bitter waters sweet. One of my favorite verses in all of the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. The diffusing occurs in the midst of the crisis. I was working for UPS years and years and years ago. We were newlyweds. We had been married for just under three months I had already had an industrial accident at my first job. I had a second job, and I was taking 21 units at Portland State University trying to graduate. They were all 400-level classes. And my wife, literally, our first three months of our marriage, she probably cried every single day because it was just a brutal schedule. I would get up every morning at 1.45. I'd call in. Steve, you'd know this. I, the, the Sunrise team, I'd get there by 3 a.m. I'm working, and I'd get out of there by 7.30. I'd race all the way home from Swan Island out to near Gresham. I'd pick up my wife. I'd get her to work by 9 o'clock downtown Portland, and I would go to class right from there. As soon as class was out, I'd go to my job working at the print shop at 5.30. I'd come back downtown, pick my wife up just to get home by about 7 o'clock at night. We hadn't eaten. We'd barely talked with one another. I haven't studied a lick, and i got to get to bed because i got to get a couple hours before I get back up at 1.45 to go to work. It was brutal. And I remember I was working at UPS, and I don't know how many days, but it was over 300 days that they had not had a time-loss accident. And there is a, the, the night package, they have these hydraulic extendos that go out. And they tell you, hey, you gotta keep your, you use your thumb to push the button, and you gotta hold the doors here so you don't get your hand stuck between the control box and the weather stripping on the door. Well, just thinking, I got this. I had my hand out, and I popped it to try and get it past pushing the door that was open. And sure enough, I got all three of my fingers, I mean, pinched. And it was pinched to the bone. And... The hydraulic system froze, and I'm stuck with my hand in there, cut down to the bone on all three fingers. If the truck moved a quarter of an inch, it would have taken my fingers off. A quarter of an inch in the wrong direction. The system's froze. We gotta get a manager out there. They're panicking. Guys are running all around me. Man, the guy came out from the shift, and by the time he got there, they got one of the yard donkeys to back up to the trailer, and I'm screaming, only go forward 
If you go backwards, I lose my fingers. And so even just connecting to the trailer and bringing the trailer down so they can move it, could have could have cut them all off. But they, they got it just to go slightly forward. And I remember working all three fingers out. Well, then they went into their, you know, now we're in crisis mode. You need to lay down. We've laid a blanket out here. You're in shock. And I'm like, dude, I have my fingers. I am not in shock. I'm good. They said, we got to take you up to the hospital. I said, you're not driving me to the hospital. They said, we're calling an ambulance. I said, please do not call an ambulance. Don't do that. And while I'm down on the ground, because they made me lay down, Guy walks up to me. Now, I had been 10 minutes with my fingers pinched to the bone. Guy comes up to me, and he leans down, and he says, bro, are you a Mormon? <laughs> I said, I'm not a Mormon. I said, I'm a born-again Christian. I said, why do you ask? He says, well, because I am a Mormon. He said, I want you to know something. I never heard one cuss word come out of your mouth, and that's not normal. And I thought, praise God, I passed the test. Because what came out of me was praise unto the Lord at that moment. I said, God, if I lose my fingers, they're yours anyway. I want to encourage you, whatever your crisis may be, allow God to have his perfect work in you. That's what James tells us. Let God have his perfect work in you. Let that patience be revealed. If you've got some dross, and I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. Will you stand? The Holy Spirit may be revealing dross to you in your life. And you'd say, I just want to cooperate with the Spirit of God. I just want to cooperate. I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes for a moment. We just, if we could just have, with respect to the Spirit of God, with respect to one another, can we just close our eyes all across the auditorium, no one looking. And you say, you know, Pastor, just listening to this, seeing the children of Israel, recognizing in my own life, there's stuff in my life, and I don't, I don't always respond well to circumstances and heartaches and hardships and trials and tribulations. And I just want to cooperate with the Spirit of God and see the dross in my life removed. I want to go from 14 carat to 15 carat. I want to go from 15 carat to 17 carat. I want to go from 17 to 20, wherever you are in that. You just want more of Jesus to come out of you in the midst of hardship and heartache. You say, I want to cooperate with the Spirit of God and allow that transformation in my life. If you're a candidate for that kind of change, with eyes closed and heads bowed, will you simply raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm a candidate. I want change in my life. Come on, let's go. Let's respond to the Spirit. Let's respond to the Word of God. I just want that change in my life. God, have your way. Hands all over the room. Thanks be to God. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. As the worship team is simply playing behind us, we're saying yes. That response of raising our hands is simply saying yes to you, Holy Spirit. Yes to you, Father. Yes to you, Jesus. Have your way in us. Thank you, Father, that you have provided a tree, the cross of Calvary, upon which the Son of God, Jesus, shed his own blood, gave his life to atone for my sin, our sin. Death had no hold on him because there was no sin in him. And so on the third day, he rose from the dead, validating everything that he had said, everything that he had done. He is Messiah. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he is the one who has empowered us. And so we come to the cross. We say, Jesus, have your way in us. 
have your way in us. Holy Spirit, with the word of God, will you wash these hearts, will you wash these minds, cleanse for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise on the day of your visitation, on the day that you come, on the day of Jesus. God, be glorified. May our lives, beginning from this day forward, as we've raised our hands and said yes, God, will you, in a greater measure, help us to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you, for it is our reasonable service. It's our spiritual worship, God. We worship you. Have your way. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we've been able to come together in the name of Jesus. You've been in our midst. You're touching our hearts. You're touching our lives. May this week be a week where we set aside time with you, with your word, in worship. And God, may the living word, the living word that is sharper than a two-edged sword, may it penetrate our hearts to the dividing of our soul and our spirit. Oh, Lord, cut past our emotion. Cut past our ah, sense of self and get into the inner core and reveal to us the motives and the intents of our heart. And God, where the motives aren't right, will you help us get them right for your glory? We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And Father, as we go today from this place, we walk out into your mission field. A couple of weeks, God, before Easter, two Sunday, or this next Sunday and then Easter, May we be actively inviting our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our associates at work to come and be impacted by Jesus, the Spirit, the Word of God. And so God be glorified. We love you and we ask your benediction and blessing as we go from this place. For the glory of God and all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Let's go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Let's have an amazing week in Jesus, celebrating his work in our lives. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.